Hello, Paul. Hey, what's up, dude? Mondays are for what? Picking stones. Picking stones? You watch Letterkenny? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, one of the things they say in Letterkenny is Sundays are for picking stones. Glad I glad I had a reference you didn't get. <laughs> I don't get it at all. I was like, <laughs> kidney stones? Kidney stones? <laughs> what are kidney Dude, have you ever stones? had a kidney stone? No, that sounds absolutely terrible, though. Oh, oh, it's horrible. I had one when we were in fucking dental school in, in Hillsborough, and it was like, oh, it was, it was horrible. It was like this little spiky BB that came out of me. I almost died. That sounds terrible. What, what year of dental school is that? Um... I think it was first year because it was in the when we were in the house in Beaverton on the steep driveway. Oh, I remember that house. Yeah, yeah, it was the upstairs up there, and I like, I was like, I'm peeing, it's normal, and then I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna die, and then I laid on the floor for a long time. That's very loud. Yeah, sorry, that was my old <laughs> old person alarm telling me that I was supposed to take my my medication. um do you remember that one time when we were carpooling home and i saw or we saw a volvo that looked exactly like your volvo (laughs) and i got out you jumped out and took a picture (laughs) you didn't find that picture volvo race (laughs) i was just impressive that there was another one of those silver i don't know was it a 90s or was it an 80s? Oh, I, I have no idea. It was old. What was crazy is when I traded that car in, it had every indicator light on the dash on. <laughs> and they still took it. They were like, <laughs> uh, we will take this, but you have to give us an extra $1,000 on the car you're buying. <laughs> we took it to AutoZone and we had them like reset the dash or whatnot. And then we drove it over there and we're like, oh yeah, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> We put That's air awesome. in the tires that were going flat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to polish that turd as much as you could. As much as it could. I think they gave us $400 for it. <laughs> it was about what the scrapyard gave them, so they broke even on that. Pretty much. All right, Ryan. Well, Ian is traveling across the the country as we speak, so we're going to have to give him a a little while to get here. So we figured we'd do a a podcast today where we're we're answering questions from dental students. So I just threw out our show in a couple Reddit forums and on Facebook and actually in our alumni page and just solicited for questions. And the really weird thing was everyone sent me PMs. Like, I thought they would just, like, reply to the thing, like, put a comment, like, oh, I have this question. But everyone was, like, really cagey about it. And they're like, oh, no, I got to fucking email him because I don't I don't want to be embarrassed by what I say. Except for one brave soul, and that brave soul is lost in cuspid land on the dental school Reddit who wanted us to, to answer a very serious question. Are you ready? Oh, God. <laughs> sure. All right. Should they get through the lens or flip up loops? Uh, well, is Surgitel coming to give you their 
uh, little presentation because I'll tell you what you should get if Surgitel is coming, but I will tell you what I have. Oh, shit. Dude, do you remember when, when they came and they did? It was Bethany, right? We did that ergonomics yeah. lecture. And she's like, oh, I'm not affiliated with anyone and blah, blah, blah. And she just basically shoved Surgitel down our throat. And we, we looked her up and she's like a Surgitel rep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you use? Uh, so I have, um, no, what do I have? I have Univet. Uh, four or five prismatics. And those are that through is, the lens, right? They are through the lens. Sorry, that didn't answer your question. Yes, they are through the lens. Um, and they are wonderful. They, so my little, my little Univet plug, no, we're not paid by Univet. Um, they use the same glasses Zeiss uses. So mm -hmm. you get a really crisp, clear uh, picture. Which is I believe very... their tagline is Zeiss without the price, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that depends on uh, what price you're talking about. They're still expensive, but yeah, yeah. Um, and is that the same pair that you got in dental school, or did you get another one? No. So that's one one recommendation I have if you're a dental student is uh, whatever your first set is, unless you, you know, just go straight to I can't see anything land. Um, make sure you buy a second set before you get out of dental school because you get yeah, that dental senior, school pricing. Definitely take advantage of your student and pricing. Absolutely. That was, I was super happy I did that and I actually got super screwed on mine. So um, that was a, that was a fun, fun time as well. Yeah. So I'm using a uh, Orscoptic through the lens 3.3, uh, which is what I got in dental school. Um, I took our advice that we just gave, and when I graduated, I bought a 5.5 because I was like, oh, man, I'm going to want to go up in mag. I want to see more. Um, but then when I got into practice, I found that uh, the 5.5 is like, you know, for what more I can see, it's just not that helpful. And the uh, the 3.3s are a little lighter, so I go with that. But uh, I have a, a wireless light, and I use that for everything. Hmm. So you... Um, you actually prefer your three threes. You do a lot more surgery, full mouth extraction stuff on a daily basis. Yeah, but right? I, I don't wear loops for that, and I I haven't been wearing loops for implants. Uh, um, I just use them if I'm doing you know restorative crowns, endo that type of thing. And really, uh, uh, for the endo that I do, you know, it's more by feel than anything else. You know, I'm not doing doing upper upper molars and stuff, so I don't find that I need the extra mag. So, wait, you don't use loops for implants? I do not. Um, most, wow. I'd say like 90% of the implants I'm doing are <clears throat> um, uh, lowers putting in two or four for overdentures. Okay. And I'm flapping the whole ridge. You know, I want to check if I'm parallel. Like I find the mag kind of gets in my way. And I've gone back and forth when I'm doing single implants with using my loops and not using my loops. And I haven't really established a preference but half the time hmm. i'm doing that guided so oh, you know okay. it's hard to fuck it up it is that's that's very interesting so one of my uh mentors uh can't use loops so i mean he does all kinds of crazy zygomatics and all kinds of fun stuff like that and he so he doesn't wear loops for anything and he does molar endo and and all of that and i've always found it 
super interesting that people can work that way because if I don't have my loops, I feel like I can't see anything and I'm completely useless and I have no faith in what I'm doing. So it's interesting to to hear. Um, I didn't know that about you that you tended to not wear loops. Yeah, yeah. For for surgery anyway. Do you wear loops for surgery? Oh yeah, I I wear my loops for everything. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I just feel like I can't see. You know, I trained myself to to use magnification, and when I went from my my three fives to my four fives, um, you know, everyone talks about the expanded field and all of that. I found that I really don't care about anything other than the tooth I'm working on. And different from you, I do a lot of first and second molar endo um mm-hmm. on super tiny canals and so it's super helpful to be uh, able to to see what i'm doing but even my implants, i still place my implants with four or five mag yeah and i, I think what it comes down to is, is we're kind of with as we show our divergence is it's about personal preference so i mean when you're loop buying and we actually got like a ton of questions on like declination angle mag you know TTL or flip up, uh, I think it's really about personal preference. And I just recommend try on a ton of loops, everything you try on, put it on your face, find something that, uh, that feels good. Because your first pair of loops, I mean, you're going to suck at everything you do anyway. So just getting get the idea how to work under the mag and through a mirror and all that type of stuff is the more important part of it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I don't think it necessarily matters what you what you buy i would i would say make sure that if you're going to buy a new pair of loops before the end of dental school make sure it's something of quality don't go super yeah. cheap um because that's the last time you're ever going to get that pricing so buy something that that is worth your worth your time if you're going to do it yeah for sure like uh the 5.5s i got i think i got them like 2500 off i mean it's pretty good i mean even that i don't use (laughs) don't use them it's like i i like having them as a backup in the office yeah so my my set i got it or i got the pair i have now at senior vendor fair and then we graduated and went through the summer and they never came and i never heard anything and then fall vendor fair came around and so I had already graduated and I went back to fall vendor fair. There was a new rep. And so I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I ordered these loops at senior vendor fair last year. I have seen or heard nothing. Here's my confirmation. And they looked it up and they're like, Oh, this never actually got put in the system. Oh, jeez. Okay, cool. So they gave me the student pricing that I would have got. They, and they threw in the light and two batteries with it. I only had nice. a paper loops and I got my light and two batteries. Um, so it was nice to see that customer service part of it. Like, hey, we actually really messed this up. So let's fix it for you. So kind of on the on the same thing, uh, we've hit mag, we've hit uh, through the lens flip up. Have, have we? What do you feel about declination angle? Like how important is that? I think when you're starting out, it's super important. Um, it does take a take a big toll on your neck having something that's super heavy, especially if you go with like five fives. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you've been out a little while, like we've been out almost three years, as crazy as that is, the majority of the things that I do, I'm not actually wearing my loops and looking for them or through them for that long. Endo is about the only thing that I spend a significant amount of time. I mean, most class twos take me 10 minutes to do now. So it's not like I'm sitting there for three hours hunched over. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and um, for me, uh, another thing you might not know about me, Ryan, is I stand for 100% of everything. Um, so really, like on on my loops to get like the angles I need, you know, I'm moving my hips. I'm really trying to keep my posture, you know, my my head above my shoulders, my shoulders above my hips. But I'm kind of moving around to get those angles. So I feel like I can uh, achieve what I need to achieve with my TTL. I know that uh, flip ups say they have a better declination angle, but I don't really know how how true that is. So. Um... Brian Wojan, I don't know if you remember him. He was on the class. Oh yeah, today. yeah. He he just bought Mr. those. Mr. Van Volkenberg. Yeah, he uh, Doctor Van Volkenberg. Mm. Um, he just bought those ninety degree loops, and we were talking about them the other day. Uh, crazy enough, I don't know if you know this. Uh, side note: Haley lives a two minute walk from me. No, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so, anyways he just bought those 90 degree loops and I was, I'm really curious to to talk to him and see um, how, how he's liking them. Cause he's probably had them close to a month now. So I'll, I'll check in with him and we can, I can re revisit that on, on another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear about that. Uh, so our next question, and this is another one, I kind of ordered these and if we got the question a bunch, I put it more on the top of the list. Uh, so how much time do we take for various procedures? Um, actually, can I back up and throw one more thing in about declination angle? You sure can. You know what the best thing for declination angle is? Was it? A, a chiropractor. <laughs> fair, fair. You, uh, you can also you, write off your massages just by the way. Oh, I mean, uh, our insurance plan and covers massage. Yeah, our, our insurance plan covers massage and chiropractic 100% if they're done on the same day. So oh, once, nice. a, once a month, I go in for Cairo and then I get an hour massage afterwards and I just do it every month. And I was doing it when I was in Portland. And then when we moved to Central Oregon, we were just so busy that I stopped and I really noticed that my back was starting to bug me. And then mm -hmm. for the past four or five months, I've been going once a month and I have, I have zero issues. So awesome. Sure you get a disability plan that can. Oh, hell yeah check medical further in your career you get a one-time medical mass mutual does that um which is who i'm with uh and then you don't ever have to worry about cairo or anything like that yeah i'd say two of the best purchases that we've made uh you know since getting the house and everything is we got a nice massage chair and that is wonderful on days where if i feel like my back feels a little odd and then we got a hot tub um so i've been doing that uh, pretty regularly and that keeps me keeps me in shape for the drilling <laughs> and the filling <laughs> uh so procedure wise well like how long does a crown take you what do you book for oh uh, we book all crowns an hour 30 Same. um but you know that includes everything that's you know temporary impressions making the temp uh pre-op pa anesthetic time you know, it covers covers all of that. I would say my working time, if it's a really hard crown, um, my working time is thirty minutes, maybe. So yeah, really I'd say the same. I'd say most of the time, you know, I'm I'm probably yeah, like fifteen minutes for for doing stuff, unless it's like a number two that's just really hard to fucking get to or something. My dumbass uh, has 
my dumbass's treatment plan a lot of wisdom tooth crowns lately. Oh, what's what the fuck is wrong with you? Dude, they Pop got, those fuckers I, out. got people with wisdom teeth that are in their fifties and they got all four of them and they got you know, they're cracked or they're missing a cusp or whatever. And if they can open wide enough, then we'll I'll put a crown back there. I mean, it's always gold, but we'll put a crown back yeah, there if yeah. you want to keep it. Yeah, geez. I'm a I'm a big fan of like, well, you got something wrong with this wisdom tooth. Let's just get it out of there. Yeah. But I've I've done the errant, you know, gold wisdom tooth crown for sure. So how much time are you taking for like fillings? Um, so fillings in general, it really depends. I try not to do more than two or three at a time because I get burnout. Um, I would say a filling appointment in general is probably scheduled for sixty minutes. Yeah, same. Oh. And it's like I'll I'll try to do a whole quadrant in in that amount of time, but you know. I say fillings are probably the most time demanding thing that we do. It's like, I'm, I have to be in there a lot. It's hard to, you know, break from that procedure. So, you know, I try to limit as, as many of those as I do in a day. Yeah. I, I don't do full quadrants anymore. Um, Why is that? When I was in, when I was in Portland, that was like all I did. It was just quadrants of fillings and I really hated my life. So I try really hard to keep my, my fillings to just a couple, um, no mm-hmm. more than no more than three, really. Uh, and even then, that's that's kind of stretching it, as far as what what we like to do. What about endo? Uh, premolar anterior is scheduled for ninety minutes with the crown prep, and molars are scheduled for three hours with the crown prep. Sometimes we don't get fully through the the crown prep in three hours, but um, that's, that's kind of my general rule. I, I was talking with my assistants and I feel I, the other day and I was like, I feel like I'm really slow at endo for how much we do. And both of my assistants were like, no, you are, you're, you're quick. You don't mess around. You get in there and get it done. So that was a good little. Boost yeah. That's nice to pick me up. Other doctors they'd worked with. Yeah. I try to basically add like a, a half hour to the, to the appointment. So it's like, um, anterior stuff is two hours and then molar stuff is an hour and a half or excuse me, uh, two and a half but I really only do slam dunk easy uh, molar endo, so you're probably doing a little bit more tricky stuff than I am Yeah, I, yeah, I mean that's, you know I, I'm amazed with since we got this new cone beam I'm amazed with how many MB2s I'm finding that I never really looked for before because my CT couldn't pick them up. Nice. So I, I had never found one. I'd say probably like the last four or five I've done, I found MB2 in every one of them. Whether I can get down it or not, it's a different, Another different story. story. But yeah. Awesome. What about extractions? Oh, that one's always a shit show. Uh, the ones I schedule for, you know, if they look really easy, I'll schedule them for 20 minutes my time. But those are always the ones that take me an hour. And yeah, mm-hmm. Paul, there are still extractions that take me an hour. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's it bad if I tell you I do an hour in arch. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's never the tooth or usually it'll be a, you know, a lower first molar that's going to if it's going to be a tooth that's going to take me a while. 
and mm-hmm. usually it's endowed and usually the route that I think is going to be the hard one is not the hard one. So I get fooled. I like almost every time I get fooled by the route I think is going to be the easy one. You do an hour and arch? Hour and arch, yeah. So if I have, <laughs> if it's all in the same arch, you know, it's an hour, longest part of the appointment is usually my anesthesia. Um, I just come in and I, I just shut those things. But I mean, seriously, I'm doing like over 5,000 extractions a year. So, I mean, it's it's just so routine. It's what I'm good at. Yeah. You're you're very different than me. 5,000 extractions last year, I did uh, 250. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, and then like wisdom teeth, I'll do like 90 minutes if I'm doing all four. That's That's awesome. I am nowhere near there but you know it's you've had almost three years of that being your life so you know it makes sense that that you are definitely more proficient at it than i am see i want to get i want to get so high up here because he's going to be like oh 30 seconds of tooth he that that dude (laughs) oral surgeons are so impressive i know that we like to you know, general dentists like to talk crap about specialists and specialists like to talk crap about general dentists, but man, that dude will like literally do an Instagram story and he'll extract all four teeth (laughs) in an Instagram story. And it's like, (laughs) this is just so beyond anything I can comprehend. I apologize to my patients. Like, yeah, sorry, this is taking forever. (laughs) I'll tell you we're here we're doing it. Yeah, I have an oral surgeon that comes in once a month and, you know, sometimes he's doing the full arch cases with sedation. And it's just amazing. Like, I think I'm pretty quick. And then I'll be like, how the fuck did he do that that fast? And there's implants yeah. in there, too. Jesus. <laughs> he was done in 30 minutes. What am I doing wrong? Uh, so this next question is kind of cool. I jumped this one up a, a little bit. But we got this off of uh, our alumni page. And we got it from one of our formal faculty. It came uh, as a private message, so I'm not going to say who. But they ask, what do we feel like makes our... a good faculty member? Yeah, our Ooh. faculty, dude, is listening to our podcast. How fucked oh, up is gosh. that? <laughs> <laughs> Shout my out, guys. Keeps, my wife keeps telling me to make sure I keep my, my, uh, my discussion professional. Yeah, too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what makes a good faculty member? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Berg made a good faculty member. Did you ever know Dr. Berg? I don't think so. Uh, so Dr. Berg was in our, was only there for like fall term of our third year before he retired. And he was the sweetest man, but he was also very old. And he walked into an appointment. It's got to be old and sweet. One of if you walked into an appointment at the beginning of third year, I was doing a DO on number twenty or something like that. And he walked in and he said, "Ah, oh, that looks like a good prep." Why I didn't even give an anesthetic yet. <laughs> that <laughs> that made a good faculty member. Um, I think we were really lucky. I think we had a lot of really good faculty members when we were moving through. I agree. I agree. Especially in clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good faculty member, easy going. Um, sure. You know, re- remembering that we're learning. We don't know everything. 
most days we're just trying to figure out how to get through the appointment. Um, oh, yeah. So compassionate, I guess, as far as, you know, kind of what we're all there for. Um, that's, that's yeah, I'd say, I'd say like realistic, you know, um, kind of kind of understanding where students and our thought process and also uh, uh, wanting to challenge us a little bit. Like, I feel like there's some some faculty, <coughs> the Perio department, uh, just come <laughs> in. And it's like they want to they want to beat you up for no apparent reason. It's just like they're like, oh, yeah, what fucking cytokine does this? And you're like, I, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Twelve. I vaguely remember what cytokine <laughs> is. Cytokine twelve. Yeah, uh, interleukin <laughs> two. Is that a thing? I think, <laughs> you know. But uh, then there are the other people. They're like, okay, uh, you know, you'd ask them a question. They'd be like, oh, okay, well, let me ask you this, and you kind, they'd kind of challenge you a little bit, and you you get there. And I think I'd feel really good when when that would happen. It's like, okay, I figured this out. I do have some knowledge. Um, so that's kind of what I, I look for. People that were realistic about your abilities, but still kind of challenged you to be better. Yeah, I also really appreciated the faculty, especially that I had towards the end of fourth year that mm -hmm. started to realize that I, I was becoming competent. I wouldn't say I was competent, but becoming competent and that they could trust me to do the work that I was doing and not have to look over my shoulder the entire appointment. Um, yeah. I really appreciated those faculty that gave me the freedom to know, you know, come get me when you know you need help or you're stuck on something. But other than that, you know, kind of just do your thing and I'll be here to check you off. Yeah, I think that was one of the nice things. Like, so at OHSU, we were divided into bridges. So like in D1, they like Hogwarts hats sort you into a, a group and you stay in that group all four years. Um, and especially in our fourth years, we got kind of the same faculty for our bridge group. So you're working with the same people like every time you come into clinic and you definitely build those relationships and they kind of know what you're comfortable with. And it's like some people they'd give more leash, some people they'd give less leash. But easy, easy going and realistic, I think are two things to hit two on. Two huge ones. Yeah. And then it's always nice to have one faculty somewhere when you're you're just needing that signature and you're like, oh my God, I can't get through pre-clinic. -pre and then in comes <laughs> Dr. Handsome. And Dr. Handsome will be like, oh, yeah, that looks like a tooth. Here's my signature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Love that guy. I mean, re realizing the things that, that matter and the things that don't, you know, the things that are that are checkoffs along the way um, because there's mm -hmm. enough of those. And, you know, moving through dental school, we're all we're all stressed out enough. You know, there's there's no reason to make it any harder than it needs to be. Yeah. So our next one here is, do you guys use financial planners? Is it good to get one when in dental school? You can't afford one when you're in dental school. And yes, it is a good idea to have one. Fair, fair. And I, I always feel like the school has one, but I, I kind of, and I don't want to shit on the one we had that you might be related to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not one. related. To I know, them. I know. But I feel like I the, they come in and they, they do this fucking like thing where they're like, hey, you know, if you stop drinking coffee, by the time you graduate, you're going to be $2,000 less in debt. And it's like, bro, if I stop drinking coffee every day, I'm going to fucking murder somebody. Let me enjoy my coffee. This yeah. And so I definitely, I didn't have a financial planner when in, when in, uh, I almost at high school, definitely didn't have one when in dental school. <laughs> and I don't exactly have one now, but I have a CPA. So anytime I'm like kind of thinking about doing something, it's like, I'll run, run this by, you know, Jeff, I'll be like, Hey, um, 
thinking about getting a hot tub. Like, is there any way to write that off? Eh, not, not really. Just remember like when you're, when you're buying, you know, at the end of the year, just, just figure like add on another, another 25 to 30% for the cost. Cause it's not deductible versus like when I was looking to buy a car, he's like, Hey, if you buy a car over 5,500 pounds, we can write it off. So think about your car as being, you know, 30% less than sticker price when you buy it. Cause you're going to save that in taxes. All right. So our next one, I am terrified of being alone. Me too. Me too. <laughs> oh wait, no, no. I'm terrified of being alone and not knowing what to do. How did you develop confidence? I don't know that I've developed confidence yet. Don't put that evil on me, dude. <laughs> I just well, fake it really, really well. You know what the good thing about dentistry is? What is that? The moment that you feel confident, there's something there to just eat your lunch and, <laughs> and make you feel like you're <laughs> two inches tall again. Uh, so that's probably, you're probably a better, a better representation of that, Paul, because you kind of came out and were more, even though you're part of a DSO, you were a little more solo. To start with, a little right? bit, but I mean, I kind of knew my limitations. I knew like, you know, like surgery was not my strong point. So, you know, I kind of set up and I found some mentors and sought out some extra training to kind of uh, develop that. But, you know, definitely, you know, things happen and you see them. And anytime you see something for the first time, you're like, holy fuck, what do I do? I mean, I, I texted you a picture today. I'm like, Ryan, what the fuck is this? How is this a thing? How did they get a filling there? And you're like, Dude, when the primary tooth fell out, they got into the mesial there. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. I um, know and now the next time I see that, it's not, not going to weird me out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I got lucky and I came out and, and went to work with a group that, that had a really strong support system. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, not in that group. I'm adjacent to that group now. And, you know, I'm still a part of their doctor chat that there's 12 guys in that, you know, we just talk cases all day long um so it's it's finding that support system i mean not you know not everyone's going to be lucky enough to have that exactly but um yeah but i mean you know, we even have a, a group chat with uh <clears throat> you know some of the people that we graduated with and whatnot and yeah i feel like mm -hmm. we we throw things in there like like all the time so it's just like have a network you know, don't don't be afraid to phone the tra phone a friend. I mean, you can get on Facebook groups and and be like, hey, I have a patient in the chair. This is going on, you know, so that you're never truly alone. And I think when you realize that you're never truly alone and there's always, you know, a resource that you can look into, you know, you feel a little bit safer. And when you feel safe, uh, you can exude confidence, whether it's real or not. When when you feel safe, you can push your boundaries a little bit too. I mm -hmm. mean, I still get I still get terrified when I see something for the first time. Anytime I do impacted thirds, I'm shaking in my boots. Like it's just the way I am. If I haven't placed an implant in three months and I go to place an implant, I get a little bit nervous. Or if I'm doing an endo and I haven't done one in a month, I get nervous. Like, and I think that that's healthy. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, like you said, you know, realizing that you're not it's not just you. So remembering those dental school friends and, you know, creating those group chats and, you know, I'm not a big Facebook guy anymore, but stand up on those Facebook groups that to really help you learn um, and, you know, give you that opportunity to ask questions is, is important. You, you want to know when I was the least confident ever? Today. I got a story, dude. 
So we're in dental <laughs> school and um, had some faculty uh, person came in and they had a tooth and it was like completely bombed out. They're like, oh, I want to save it. And I had some faculty look at them like, oh, I think we should extract this, but they want to save it. And they're like, oh, no, you just do a big filling there. I was like, okay. So I scheduled them for the, the big filling. So come in for the big filling. And you actually assisted me on this. Um, <laughs> I think I knew, know exactly which one you're talking about. You know about. where I'm going, right? So <laughs> we start removing decay. And like, there was so much like gingival invagination into like where the holes in this dude's tooth were. So I'm burning that. And all of a sudden, it's just like blood everywhere. And we're like, oh, shit. Uh, get some get some viscostat or something and you've got some hemostatic agent and we put it in there and it stopped bleeding. I'm like, cool. And then we just, I poked it and it was like brown pudding kept coming out of the tooth repeatedly for five minutes. And I had no idea what was happening or what was going on. And I kept just looking at Ryan, like giving him looks like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Should I drill? Should I not drill? What do I do? Um, and I think we ended up sending him to oral surgery and like he got that tooth out because it was obviously not restorable to begin with. But man, um, that was one of my favorite parts of dental school because I had really lame patients and never scheduled for anything that I diagnosed probably because I gave him 47 options. And so I would just come and assist you and it was always like you were doing just some weird shit. And I could What's Paul doing? What has Paul got on his schedule today that I can go assist him with because I have nothing to do? Got the old pudding tooth. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that one. I actually used to get in trouble in dental school because I would come assist you over helping. Over people in your my, bridge group. In, in my bridge group, I'd just go <laughs> hang out with you and we'd do fun stuff. And your faculty were in ge were generally cooler than mine. Uh, it's so it's true. You had Doctor Carry on, which is he was just a just a saint. Oh, Carry on was the man. Yeah, is the man enjoying retirement? Yeah. Um, so, how long does it take you to do an exam, and what all do you do in your exam? Um, I have the same procedure every time, and it's amazing how many patients can't figure it out. Um, Sorry, I just kind of jumped in and started talking, but I sit down, I ask them how they're doing. I have my little cheat notes. So I'll ask about kids or whatever that, you know, ties, ties them back to me. I'll ask them, you know, I like to make the joke of, hey, it's almost the middle of 2022. How was your Christmas? Uh, <laughs> and I'll do my intra and extra oral exams and my cancer screening. And then... I always take a pause right there and I ask the hygienist if she's seen anything during her travels of the mouth and they know now that there is never a time that they're allowed to say no. Um, mm -hmm. they, al they always see something, even if it's gingival issues, there's something in there that they're seeing that they're not happy with. So um, we do a travel of the mouth if there's things that are of big concern to me we'll take a an intraoral photo um, if i don't think i'm going to be able to describe it properly and if not um go over or tell them what's up go over x-rays with them and then i'm out of there and usually most of my exams now are uh five minutes ish 
Yeah, would you say that's like a five minute total time or five minute in the mouth? Oh, it's not five minutes in the mouth. Um, it's probably five minutes total time. You know, my my your hygienists have a job to do, and some of your hygienists are going to be really fast. Some of your hygienists mm-hmm. are going to be really slow. Some are going to be done in thirty minutes, and some are going to take a full hour every time. So I try and be conscious of that. I know which which hygienist needs an hour, and I know which one's going to be done quick. So, um, I. I try really hard, but it's also, you know, I don't know if you see this in your population, Paul, but, you know, I'm through two recall cycles now. Mm-hmm. And generally, like, you look in a mouth and you're like, oh, I remember that. I don't remember who this human is, but I remember this mouth. And I remember, remember that, that tooth or that tooth. Oh, or, yeah. That filling, that crown. La- oh, yeah. La- last time we were keeping an eye on nothing, there's probably going to be nothing in here. So it makes it. It makes it quicker. I actually had a patient call the other day who um, apparently I poked them a couple of times uh, in their initial exam with me uh, mm-hmm. seven months ago. And then I diagnosed a whole bunch of stuff to be done. And they didn't like that because there was decay everywhere and they'd been told everything was fine by someone mm-hmm. else. And so I went in and saw them and my exam was three minutes because they hadn't taking care of anything that I treatment planned. And I kind of went over that with them and they scheduled and then they called back the next day and canceled and said they didn't like me. <laughs> well, I like you. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sure. And my, I caught my uh, treatment coordinator writing a, a com log note in the, in the chart about it. And like, what's up? And she's like, I don't want to tell you. It's going to ruin your day. And I was like, a year ago, this would have ruined my day. Today, this doesn't ruin my day. Yeah, so so my exam process is pretty similar. Have the DA take take you know the FMX, Pano, hygienist does perio charting. Um, DA is going to take an itero scan of the full mouth, and then I'll kind of come in and the same kind of thing. Sit up, sit down. Hi, nice to meet you. Tell me what's bringing you in. Um, get an idea of you know are they establishing care? How long has it been to, since they've been to the dentist? You know, etc. And then I'll kind of go over there, scan with them, kind of show them some things. You know might pull up x-rays if there's something interesting to look at and then same thing i'll kind of pop into the mouth it's just a couple of minutes at that point i'm kind of confirming what i've already seen on on scans and x-rays in my office and then you know diagnosing occlusal decay or or whatever that you can't really see on uh the images but yeah i'd say my total time in the room is like 10 minutes at most and is that so you're seeing you have a lot more new patients come through like your chair than you do hygiene, right? Yeah, yeah. Hygiene, I'm I'm doing, you know, recalls, and I might have like three a day. I usually have like between like five and 10 new patients a day. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's awesome that you guys are able to generate that many, that many new patients. Yeah, yeah. We got good oh. advertising. Wait, you're only doing three recall exams a day on average? On average, yeah. Some sometimes it might be more, sometimes it might be less. Dang, dude. On like it was like two days a week where I average like I'm not average, I I do sixteen recall exams. Damn. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But like you say, those are usually pretty quick because it's like, well, do I do I have un you know, treatment that they didn't accept and didn't do on the chart? 
Do I have, you know, monitors that I put on some tooth last time, you know, look at that or whatnot. And then kind of read your chart notes like, oh, hey, last time we talked about this. What are what are you thinking about that now? Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And we're we're new patient wise. You know, it's obviously a little bit longer. I'm kind of like you. It might be 10 minutes. I also try and make a make a habit of looking at x-rays before I go into the operatory. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a, a recall exam that has new x-rays because there's nothing worse than your doctor looking at x-rays in front of you. Um, yeah, 100%. So I'll, I'll look at that and treatment plan any class 2 to KAC or, you know, if there's crumbs I have questions about, then I'll make a little note of them. And then when I walk in, you know, stuff's already treatment planned and I'm not trying to tell my hygienist what to put in the computer. Yeah, yeah, I try, I try to, you know, tell the patient too. It's like, oh yeah, let's take a look at your X-rays. You know, if nothing's going on, they were pretty boring. Good job. Or hey, there's a couple areas we want to want to check out for you. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So, what do you do the same as you learned in dental school? Is this just a long pause before you say nothing? <laughs> That's not true. Um, I think I do class twos pretty much the same way we learned them. Mm. Uh, There's really only one way to cut a class two that I know of. The punch cut is critical. Yeah, the punch, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I do my punch cut and I stop and I take an x-ray to make sure uh, that my punch cut is in the proper spot of side of the tooth. Um, no. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Did you say you do a punch <laughs> cut and then you take an X-ray? <laughs> yeah, it's super efficient. Oh, you're fucking with me. Okay. It's like, uh, <laughs> what? Help. Um, yeah, I do. A, I do a prep check after that. You know, I have have one of my assistants look at it. Yeah. Um, I do that. I. You know what I. I, there is one thing I can actually say that I do the exact same way that I did in dental school. Mm-hmm. I perio chart the same way. You got to explain that one to me. <laughs> I mean, how else do you perio chart? There's only one way to perio chart. I mean, but do you do it? Your hygienist does it, right? No, I do it. Oh, gross. So, I mean, so that's one of the things is like, since we take, you know, uh, advantage uh, organ health plan, when I do, when we do an exam because they qualify for a yearly exam and they, you know, might not be ready for a cleaning yet because they only get one cleaning and one exam a year. So they might not be ready for that yet or we're getting them in because, you know, they're diabetic and we need to make sure we get their exam done. Um, I have to perio chart during that. And then also you're, you're supposed to perio chart when you do an endodiagnosis. So I perio chart them. Yeah, I, I mean, my hygienist comes in and perio charts uh, for that. It's rare, like if she's gone or something, I'll I'll perio chart. But uh, when anytime I've had a new hygienist, it's like she'll perio chart somebody, and then I'll perio chart them, or vice versa, and we'll kind I'll kind of check, you know, make sure we're we're dialed in and kind of standardized. Um, I'd say I do endo pretty much the same. I think we had a really really good endo program at OHSU. My technique is different, but I mean, I do the same steps, kind of, up until obturation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I obturate uh, a little different because I don't have a, a whatever the fuck that we use there. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of the 
<laughs> the clean and shape and the irrigates, you know, all, all the different things there. I definitely do oral surgery way different. Um, fillings. Yeah. I, I would say pretty, pretty, how, how many different ways can you do it? Um, crowns, I, I guess I'm a little different. I feel like I, I learned how to be more efficient than what they taught us. Yeah. I've, I found the coolest way ever to prep crowns. And then I stopped liking that way. So I've gone back to putting margins on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I started because I didn't like my, my, my marginless preps on anteriors. And so I was like, I'll just put margins on my anteriors and do my posters the same way. And then before I knew it, I was just putting margins on everything. And so here we are. I'm back to packing cord and all of that, which I got away from for two years. Gotcha. Yeah. I, it's rare that I pack cord. I mean, I'll, I'll usually grab a laser before I, before I pack cord. And it's like the, the iTero now is so good at, you know, being able to differentiate what, what's tooth, what's tissue that I feel like a lot of times I don't need it. I really think I'm liking iTero. I, everyone keeps talking about it. I, iTero and my other buddy just got one and he loves it. And I, I'm it's good stuff have to bite the, bite the bullet and buy one. Yeah. I like it a lot. I'm actually, I'm going to get a trio scanner is my, my next thing. Cause it, they're a little bit better at doing the soft tissue stuff for like uh denture things. I just think that'd kind be super fun. cool. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. I just think that'd be super cool to be able to scan all that stuff. The scanner I have now doesn't have those capabilities. It's pretty limited mm-hmm. on what it's got capabilities of doing, and there's like no labs that take it. So I'm kind of I'm thinking about what shift is next, and I I'd really like to be able to print my ortho models, and there's some cool programs out there where you can digitally place brackets. Oh, that's cool. And then, I, and then I can just make like a bleaching tray jig that picks up all my brackets and it will cement everything in the ideal position at the same time. Um, and that would turn ortho starts into 15-minute appointments instead of 45-minute appointments. So That sounds nice. That's That's the direction I eventually want to go, but the scanner just won't do that. And it all gotcha. costs money. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so kind of going on the same thing, What what is something that you do drastically different than uh, dental school? Long pause, and then you say everything? Yeah, yeah right? I mean, uh, there's definitely variations on everything. I don't I feel like I need to come watch you do oral surgery. You know what I just thought of, Paul? You know what I do 100% differently than we learned in dental school? What's that? Implants, because we learned nothing. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, OHSU is really weird because it's like everyone else in the schools, like in our region, they all place implants as uh, undergrads and, and we are like, here's a picture of an implant. We're like, it looks like a screw. And they're like, you're right, it is a screw. Okay, moving on. Um, I think I do anesthetic a little different because I use fucking Articane for everything. Do you? Oh, God, yeah. I love my Articane. You Articane IA? Oh, yeah. You Articane Mental? Oh, yeah. Huh. But really, I'm not so much giving a mental as I am 
just infiltrating at that point. You can't infiltrate the, the mandible, Paul. That's a fallacy. You can with Articane. It diffuses right <laughs> through the bone. Ask me how I know. So are you doing, do you have enough confidence in Articane infiltration on the mandible that you'll do a molar crown prep with it? Uh, with it alone? Yeah. Uh, no. I, I usually still give an IA. Hmm. Uh, I think there's there's some cases like I'll do that on premolars like first and second premolar I just do an infiltration but uh, molars I always do an IA. How do you feel about buffering? Do you have an opinion there? Um, I've never done it. Uh, I've I've heard from oh. you that that it works well with things, but yeah. just so for for those of you that are listening that don't know about buffering anesthetic, you add uh, there's a a really scientific way, or you put, um, you add 8.4% sodium bicarbonate to your anesthetic and you take another syringe so that everything stays clean and you inject into your carpule until half of your stopper is out of the carpule and that is the appropriate amount. And then you give anesthetic like normal. The research says that total pulpal anesthesia for, um, a maxillary tooth is 45 seconds. For an IA, it is 90 seconds to complete anesthesia. Uh, so you can do anything on it. I know quite a few doctors that will buffer articane for uh, crown prep on 30, and they do buckle and lingual infiltration, and then they do their prep. Um, nice. The bicarbonate's a little more basic, so it raises the acidity of the... Um, anesthetic backup so it penetrates the nerve and the bone a little bit quicker um i was doing a lot of it and then i had a patient that was numb for like three days afterwards that's the other cool thing <laughs> is it makes it hang around for a super long time uh and so i kind of got away from it and i was having some patients that were uh reporting some more post-op sensitivity at the injection site soreness hmm. and stuff like that so i i kind of started shying away from uh, my buffering, but I still buffer for all of my endo um, and some of my extractions if I think they're going to be really pussy and gross. Mm, those are the best. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do if you have a patient that is derogatory or racist? Bye. Yeah. See ya. There, there are other dentists. Yep. The best uh, best advice I ever got that helped me uh, a lot, because I, when I started, I have this intrinsic need for everyone to like me and no one likes their dentist. Mm -hmm. So I, I just wanted everyone to like me super bad. So I get offended when someone didn't. But, you know, it's just like going and finding a physician or, you know, a daycare or a mechanic or, you know, whatever you're finding. Not every doctor is for every patient. And it's really important. I think to realize that because if you don't, then you're in for a, a big world of disappointment. Yeah. And I think especially like any, anytime like uh, you can figure the sooner you can figure that out, the better. Cause if you have uh, you know, someone that comes in and you kind of identify this uh, at the new patient exam, you're like, Hey, you know, we're not a good fit for your office. Here's my recommendation for another office for you to go to. They're not your patient. You have no legal, you know, ramification 
of not treating them versus if you come in and you cut the crown prep and then the guy wants to, you know, get really, <laughs> really fucked up with you or whatever. And you're like, Oh shit. Now I got to either finish this or, you know, charge for a temp or refund, you know, it's like, and then I'm stuck with handling emergencies for like 60 days, you know, all that, all that different stuff. So it's like, if, if someone rubs you the wrong way, or especially if they're, you know, saying things are just inappropriate, um, I think it's just better to get them, get them somewhere else. Yeah. I don't have much of that anymore, but I did have patients when I was in Portland, I had a patient that was taking pictures of my assistant's ass while they were walking around the operatory like that it just this isn't the office for you like sorry you can't act like that yeah um, no but they're always fun conversations to have because they usually end up in someone being really pissed off and it's usually not you um but we're really big i'm sure you are too on staff safety and so if they feel uncomfortable yeah. or someone's being being not nice or whatever then they have they have the right to hire that patient. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, when you get back to me, it's like, I'm six foot three and like fucking two sixty. you know, like people usually don't say things to me or take a tone, but it's like my front desk is like five foot one. She's tiny. You know, it's like if someone comes in and just starts yelling at her for no reason. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. We, we don't need that here. Yeah. So I think I that's think where that's I get, get kind of the most frustrated is just like, I understand that, you know, people can be in pain and different things, but it's like, I, I just don't like it when people treat my staff like, like garbage. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. That's kind of one of the things I like about being in a small town is like, we've had, you know, we've had patients since I've been here that it, my friend desk has been like, man, there was something going on with them today. Like they were really rude to me on the phone just now. And mm-hmm. I I'd normally look at them and be like, you're probably just on the wrong end of a bad day for them. Like yeah. they probably got something going on. You're just on the wrong end. And without fail, I, I think almost every single time that patient's called back like a couple of days later and been like, I'm really sorry that I was mean to you on the phone. Or next time they come in, they're like, I'm really sorry I was mean to you that day. Like in general, I, we, I don't see people that want to be assholes. Yeah. Which, which good. Don't, yeah. that is our advice. Don't, don't <laughs> see the assholes. Don't Leave that see. to the proctologists. Oh, is that our podcast? Now leave it to the proctologists. Yes, that is that is the name of this podcast. Uh, so, Ryan, as owners, how do you maintain a work life balance? It's no, it's it's hard. Um, you know, especially when you're getting up and running till you have all your systems in place and everything's working well. I'm definitely a lot better now than I was. Um, I think in the beginning, there's there's just so much to do to get your feet under you. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I feel like as an owner, you have, I I know a lot of times you're like, Oh, there's more to do, but it's like, you have more control. Um, and you can, you can make time. Like, uh, we had some stuff like kind of going on in our personal lives and I was getting kind of haggard and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just close these two days. I need some mental space. Um, so we, we closed last, uh, uh, last Friday and then I'm, I'm closing tomorrow and I'm just taking some time to do some stuff in my personal life. And, and things and it's not going to impact me like at all you know versus if i had to take pto or do i even have pto to do that or who do i have to call to to do it so it's like um i think it's important to be like uh, aware 
of what's going on and your your mental state and you know take time when you need it and then i try to budget uh time for myself every week to just do little fun bullshit things that i enjoy to do so i don't get you know just stuck on doing dentistry all the time uh although i weirdly we started a podcast to talk more about dentistry so i don't know i don't know if that was a a wise thing (laughs) um I think one of the things that's really helped me maintain a work-life balance is being able to shut my brain off when I leave for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I don't, I don't look at my schedule the next day until we get to huddle. See, that my, is, that is smart. Uh, my, the dentist that mentored me, he was like, you know how you're going to save yourself a, a lot of headaches. Don't look at the tomorrow, the next day's schedule before you leave. Yeah, I think that's yeah. some of the best advice you can get. Yeah. I don't, I, I, it, used to I used to be really production driven you know when I was growing a, a new practice and so I was always looking ahead at what was coming up and where I could maximize in the day and stuff like that. And now that I'm now that I own an established practice and you know our production's really consistent. Um mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to look at it. So a lot of times it's the big shock to me when I have, you know, an oral sedation third molar case at eight o'clock and it's seven forty five. Um you know, and it kind of it kind of makes the day more fun too, because I'm stressed about something all night long for no reason when that patient cancels. Yeah, and it's like <clears throat> I look in the morning, I look during the week. You know, I, I still work my schedule and things like that. Just like the last thing I do at the day is not look at what tomorrow is going to be like. I'm like, it is now Paul time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll I'll look through my. That's not to say I don't look ahead of my schedule. I will look through my schedule, but I'm not. I'll like glance at procedures and make sure that, you know, it looks appropriate time-wise or Mm -hmm. I'll shorten things if I think they're giving me too much time, but I'm not diving into that patient's chart and looking at, you know, exactly what we're doing. It's just more kind of a general glance at what the week's going to be or, you know, what the month's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a favorite procedure? I still really like aesthetic stuff. Um, Especially when you have a good lab. Um, I have my first yeah. veneer case on on Wednesday, Paul. Oh, nice! I'm excited to see pictures of that. Yeah. Um, so we've, you know, that's aesthetic stuff is really fun because you get to to see an instant change in somebody. Yeah, I'd say my favorite is impacted third molars, just because there's something like so cool about you know you open the mouth, I look, there's nothing there. <laughs> and I cut a little flap, remove a little bone. I'm like, oh shit, look at that. There's a tooth there. Uh, if you do it on, on patients when they're like young enough and what, and then you just like touch it with an elevator and it just flies out. You're like, all right, we're done. <laughs> I did my job. Yeah, those ones still scare me. I found you. <laughs> you know, are there, so are there things that you say in your head consistently? Uh, well, I've been saying the I find you thing uh, since our last podcast, but yeah. not really. I hum a lot, which freaks people out, I guess. Yeah. yeah so think I about songs. Think about songs. I was going to say, like, there's that song. I can't remember the band, but it's the, like, picture this, I'm a bag of dicks. That song, it's in <laughs> fucking everything. It's in car commercials in every show. We just watched uh, Joe versus Carol, the Tiger King dramatization thing, and they have that song in there. I'm like... When they were making the uh, I'm a kick a baby bear in his shit song, 
Like, did they realize that they were going to make bajillions of dollars because everyone is going to be like, oh, shit, I need that song in my fucking car commercial. So I think <laughs> about that. That's the type of stuff I think about when I'm doing dentistry. Awesome. Um, it sounds like you guys do a lot of CE there. How much do you spend on CE each year? How much do you spend a year on CE, Paul? Well, I can say on this last year, I spent $22,000 because I just did my taxes and stuff. Nice. Um, I, I don't know how much I've spent. So another dentist told me, it's a little bit older, told me your first couple of years, be a CE hound. Do all the CE you mm-hmm. can do, all the CE you can afford to do, even if you don't think you can afford to do it, just get it done. Um, your, your future self will thank you because you won't be 10 years into your career thinking, I don't know how to do this. Um, so I probably spent twenty thousand last year. I probably on track to spend another twenty thousand this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. There's this cool uh, uh, kind of extension of the implant coursework that I did, where they do like sinus lifts and ridge splits and some different things that I don't necessarily know that I will incorporate those things into my practice, but I kind of am interested and and want to learn more about them and kind of do them under guidance of some oral surgeons and things so that's kind of the big one that i'm looking at doing this year and then uh like i just signed up for organ dental conference because they've got like 20 hours of virtual ce that'll hit all the the boring stuff like law and med emergencies and uh whatever else we have to do for our license yeah i think the i think endo's next yeah i did an endo one last year that was a lot of fun yeah, there's one down in San Francisco, I think, that I haven't looked into yet, but someone's told me about that um, I think I think would be good. My problem with that is I think they're probably going to sway me into, I need a microscope, and those are very mm. expensive. So, But I think Endo is probably, Endo might be on the docket for this year, and then there's a follow-up class for the ortho class I did that I think I'll do next year because I'll have a year of doing ortho under my belt and a year of easy cases. Yeah. Yeah. So would you choose dentistry as a career path if you had to do it all over again? I think I would. There's definitely some things I don't like, but I am, you know, I'm excited to get up and go to work every morning. And I really like the flexibility in my schedule, especially being an owner. I like being able to, you know, control when I work and when I want time off. Yeah. I kind of look at this question in two ways. One is like a time travel way where if I went back in time, would I go to dental school? And the answer is no, I would use my knowledge of the future to be rich. Like I'd make a ton of money (laughs) off of GameStop and Doge at like the exact like right time and get out instead of getting in too late and staying in too long. Um, but yeah, no, if uh, I, I, dentistry has been very good. I enjoy what I, what I do. It's interesting. I, I think a lot of it's fun and, uh, you know, I feel well compensated for it. Um, enough that, you know, we've got a horse, so no complaints. <laughs> uh, I do think I probably would have tried the engineering route had I not, if, if I could go mm. back and, and look at where I am at student debt wise and, and lifestyle wise. Cause I know a lot of engineers that make great money and they have no student debt and they, uh, can kind of fuck off and do whatever they want. Also, I've got a buddy that works for the city of redmond that as a works in the water department or whatever they call it and he's got a pretty mm-hmm. sweet job he like 
does whatever he wants because he works in water. Yeah. Yeah. So, you could do the dentistry he, in the water. He also hasn't worked a five day week in like a year. Mm, now that sounds nice. Yeah. That's kind of, I'm building, building, building. And then eventually I want to go down to like three days a week. That's my goal in life. We were, we were making dinner tonight and Julia looked at me and said, I can't wait till the day where you only have to work two or three days a week. Like you're like me too. Me too. So, so this next question, Caitlin was really concerned about our podcast and, uh, she was like, you know, Ryan has that sex voice and you've just got an egg-shaped head. So I'm going to find a question for you guys to put on your podcast so it'll be good. So <laughs> oh, she found a two-year-old question on a Reddit forum that's uh, that's about pedo burrs. And it's a uh, dental student. They're like, oh, I, I only feel confident when I'm using pedo burrs. I don't feel con- confident when I'm using regular burrs. What should I do? Is there a special a pe- pedo burr? Did <laughs> I miss that? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I was like, dude, just fucking shove a five five seven and everything. You don't even need another burr. Crown prep uh, with that thing if you want to. <laughs> I I do remember in in peds they would. I don't like saying pedo. Uh, I feel really gross when I say the word pedo, and I feel really like gross like Catholic people. church gross, or like it means part <laughs> in Spanish gross, like. I I don't know. He both, both them. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be that specialist coming in the room. It's like, hey, I'm your pedo. Yeah, I'm your pedo. Uh, look at my glasses and my white vans. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think in peds, they try, just tried to terrify you out of doing any peds. So they, I I do everything with the same burrs. Yeah, well, it was weird. Like uh, I. I know they, I think in dental school, they had us use different wedges, but I feel like the burrs were the same. I actually had a different experience in peds because there was that dental van um, and I kept signing up for it and really no one else signed up for it. So I did a bunch of dental van dentistry with uh, this one faculty that was just awesome. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think I still use like a 330 or something when I was cutting those preps. 330 diamond for everything. Got a stainless steel crown prep with a three thirty diamond. Dude, they're wonderful. Yeah. They don't wear. They don't wear out. They're more expensive, but they don't wear out. Yeah, I uh, I use them for endo access. Three thirty diamond. Oh no no, I'm thinking of ball diamond. My bad. Oh. I don't have a three thirty diamond. Oh, there's. I don't really use three thirties. I use five five sevens. I used five five anyway. sevens until a piece of unsupported enamel uh, went flying past my head, and then I stopped using five five sevens. Nah, eh, fair. I think I have three thirties. I'll use one. I'll use one on Wednesday. Um, I struggle with didactics and lab work. Dentures are the bane of my existence. We do setup for wax tries. I feel like I'm okay with my handpiece. Is there hope for me? No, quit. <laughs> oh, what are you, a faculty? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, there's hope for you. We all feel like that. You're in dental yeah, school. Yeah, I, I feel like I could have wrote this question when I was in yeah. dental school. Man, I struggled a lot with stuff. Uh, I do I do dentures like a lot now. Um, I I had no good denture appointments in uh, in dental school. I actually was so bad at dentures. I had to like get with uh, someone that was really good, Michael Faber. 
um, just to fucking graduate to get through my denture uh, uh, checkoffs and things. Um, but yeah, I think like the, you say you're, you're okay with your hand piece, you know, it's the patient skills. I mean, if you can kind of talk to the patients, uh, have them feel comfortable with you, be normal and, you know, do clinically acceptable stuff when you're in school, like you're going to be 100% fine. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to get out and you're going to, you're always going to strive to do the best you can do. And there's going to be days where you do the best you can do. And there's going to be days where the best you can do is, uh brown pudding tooth um <laughs> fair and then you're gonna see that work that other doctors have done and you're gonna be like oh my gosh that is terrible um and then you're gonna look at x-rays and you'll be like oh my gosh that is terrible oh wait i did that <laughs> that's um, my terrible yeah uh, that's my terrible i think we all we all went through that i mean there was definitely a time in dental school where you know, I was really concerned about my abilities and you, you get through it. It's just, you might have to work a little harder to learn that stuff, but. Yeah. And, and something too, like, I, I think is important. is like, have open, like have a friend group that you can have like that conversation with. Um, when I was as a trustee, like I got elected trustee and I went to these board meetings and I met, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, these 12 other people that were elected trustee and like people like fucking, you know, Rupali and Craig McKenzie and Brandon and shit. And I was like, oh my God, like these people are so absolutely amazing. Like I don't belong here. And, you know, it's called imposter syndrome. And it's something that's just really big in our field. And I remember like a couple, uh, you know, months into it, we were out somewhere and someone was saying something about how they were like, intimidated by like me like because i was good and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about like i <laughs> i worship the ground you walk on i don't i don't belong here and it's just it it's once you realize that everyone kind of has those feelings from time to time um you know i think that that normalizes it and it just sounds like you're a normal dental student and you'll get through it it, it gets better yeah I, I would be willing to bet if you talk to your classmates that you're going to find you're not the only one that feels that way. We all struggle through it together, but it's, you know, it's really hard to admit when you're having trouble with something because you want to, you want to look like you're doing really well and you're, and you're making it, you're doing that fake it till you make it. But, um, you'll be, you'll be just fine. I promise. Just keep working. And I'll tell you a secret. If you're listening to this, uh, this podcast and you're like, that doesn't sound exactly like my question. It's because I merged two fucking questions together. So there's (laughs) two of you that ask the same, like pretty much exact thing. So you'll, you'll do fine. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, so the next one here, I hate surgery. I can't handle the blood. I'm afraid I won't be able to get a job if I can't do extraction advice. Absolutely not. You know, there's there's people in our class and there's a whole entire generation of general dentists that didn't do any surgery. Mm-hmm. If it bleeds, they won't touch it. We had faculty like that. Uh, you'll be just fine. You just have to find the practice that's going to be the right fit for you. Uh, Aspen Dental or Affordable Dentures, probably not the place you want to go. Probably not, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just like I'd say just be open with that like you know like hey i don't do this 
you know, and it might make it uh, harder for you to, to find a job right off, right off the bat. You know, you might have to do a couple more interviews or find the place. But once you find the place that's like hip to that, I mean, you'll you'll be great and you'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, honestly, practice ownership might be the way for you to go because you have a lot more control over what you do and, and being in practice ownership and more of a metropolitan area instead of a rural area. Um, might be a really good fit for you because you can, there's an oral surgeon right down the road. I guarantee it that yeah, will do yeah. all of that. And there's an endodontist right down the road that will do all of that. Um, and it's also, I don't know where you're at in your career, but it's not too late to look at going into ortho because they do, there's zero blood in ortho. Uh, so looking into a specialty or cosmetics or something like that, where you're staying away from, from the, the blood and guts, if you will, is a, a good way to look yeah and definitely it's like from my perspective like if you came in you're like hey i don't do extractions i'd be like okay do you do fillings and if you're like yeah it's like cool you do all the fillings i'll do all the extractions we will be very very happy people yeah yeah and my question for that person is how much surgical experience have they got and you know are they a, a starting third year dental student that's done and seen one extraction or you know, are they a graduating fourth year that's been through the ringer a little bit and they know that that's not the, the place for them? Yeah. And I tried to pull a little information and I do not know on that. Yeah. So this is a, a question that came via PM with Reddit and like uh, very little post history. So I can't really tell. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a big difference too, because, you know, I'll, I was scared of blood when I was a third year. And now I see blood every day. And especially it's when it's brown deal. and pudding colored. Especially when it's pudding colored. Oh, man, I know exactly where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last one here. What's your thoughts on GPRs? I don't I didn't do one, so I don't know that I have a lot of a lot of thoughts on them. Yeah, I, I, I think it's like a lot of things that that is one of the things that makes dentistry really, really cool is there's just a lot of different ways to do it. So, you know, if you're thinking like, I want to get this extra training to do, you know, more advanced stuff, GPR might be a good thing for you. If you, you're like, you know, I need to get my confidence up. Uh, GPR could be really good. Uh, myself, I started dental school kind of late. So I think I started, what was I like 34? Something like that. Something like that. So I was like, man, I, I don't have time for a GPR, especially. I need to get in and, and start making money or my wife will kill me. Um, but if I had to do it over again and I started younger, I, I would have probably done a GPR just just because it would have been really cool to get some of that uh, um, exposure to different things. And kind of the, some of the stuff I'm doing uh, now with CE would have been stuff that I could have done in GPR. Yeah, so, I think yeah, that there's time for from, it. From what I from what I hear from people that I know that have done GPRs, I think that there's there's no standardization for them, right? So it's not like going into right. a, uh, a specialty program where they're all standardized and you're gonna learn what you need. Um, there's a lot of, there's some GPRs out there that are like another year of dental school and there's some that teach you the things that that you need to, to know to be successful and really give you that clinical experience. So from what i've heard with the 
the last couple of graduating classes, I think that a, a clinically based GPR might be a really good thing to look into because it kind of sounds like you guys aren't getting a ton of experience. I mean, we didn't get a ton of experience, so I can't imagine what COVID has done, you know, getting yeah. six clinic sessions a term. Um, and so, hey, if you're from New York, you just have to do one. So there's that too. Or if you, yeah, or if you want to live in New York. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe Paul. Maybe we should find someone that's uh, that's done a GPR to to Ooh, have on here. I like that. Show. Um, I can think of a couple people off the top of my head, but maybe we could do some brainstorming and see if there's someone we could have on to to kind of talk about GPR. GPR live. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great idea. Well, that is a great segue into this. So that's our last question. I will post this on all the various threads that I got it from. So if we answered your question, you can you can hear our our stuff. Um, but speaking of someone that did a GPR, next cast, we're going to have Ian on. Oh, wait, he didn't do a GPR. He no, just he lived didn't. in Arkansas. My you know, bad, my bad. You know who I was thinking of? Who's that? Uh, Taylor Hunt. Oh, that'd be cool. I didn't know she did a GPR. Yeah, and she actually, it might have been an AEGD. I don't know what the hell the difference mm -hmm. is. They're both things that you do if you want another year. Um, but she actually also just bought a practice. She's oh, about, I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I think maybe a month and a half or two into into practice life. So um, she might be a great person to have on, kind of chat with. I like it. I like it. Chip also did one. Oh, Chip. So did Miguel Sutherland. So did Keith Brannon. Okay. Um, okay. So we we gotta we, we gotta so we know us. some people. Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be fun. I'll, All right. So uh, maybe I'll reach out to some of those people and see what they say. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, so tell me about Ian. What do, what do people have to look forward to? What do people? He, you know, Paul, Paul and I try and be comedic, and we're really not. And and Ian really is a true. Ian true is actually funny. That that doesn't like pressure. Um, I actually, and I think Ian knows this, I wasn't a very big fan of Ian, and then he and I uh, skipped an entire week and a half of dental school to go to Guatemala on a humanitarian trip, and I got to spend that time with Ian, and, and now I love Ian, because I, I got to learn who, who Ian is. Um, very excited he's coming, him and his wife and kiddos are coming back to Oregon. Um, yeah, yeah. About to practice up in Hillsborough. Yeah, he's a... He's a he's a very good human, but he's just spent the last almost three years in Arkansas doing uh, Arkansas dentistry. Ooh, fun fun fact! I don't know. You I never have to use Matrix Mans because you don't have to worry about contacts in Arkansas. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I hope I'm not spoiling this for Ian, but he uh, he told me shortly after he was there, and I asked him what his biggest surprise down there was, and he said that. Uh, his his patients were buying their antibiotics at the feed store, <laughs> <laughs> and so I shit you not, I I was talking about that with one of my assistants the other day. I was like, yeah, I have this friend that you know his patients don't want to go to the pharmacy, so they buy their amoxicillin at the feed store. And she was like, oh, I've had patients here tell me that before. I was like, what? Yeah. What? And she was like, yeah, I've had patients here tell me that they bought their antibiotics at the feed store. I'm like, oh no. I thought that was an Arkansas thing. It's a Prineville thing too. So uh, 
uh, Caitlin's grandma's from the South. And uh, when when the kids would like have a health or dental issues, sometimes she'd take them to the vet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that only happened on TV shows. No, that's 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 true. She's also <laughs> one of the few people I've know, known other than Ian who has cooked and eaten a squirrel. She's a uh, she's pretty awesome. She's my favorite. <laughs> oh, Ian. Yeah. Uh, so Ian's gonna be with us next next one. Next one, yeah. So like in two weeks there. And uh, I guess just to just to close out, I said I watched Joe versus Carol, which is uh, which is was pretty pretty fantastic. Um, if you're into into the whole Tiger King thing and you want to learn more about that bitch Carol Baskins, Did you watch anything bitch. good recently? Uh, we just caught, you gonna pay? We just caught, we just caught up on uh, on Big Sky. Um, which one's that? It's on Hulu. It's an ABC show. It's about I don't really know how to explain it. It takes all kinds of weird turns, but it's about uh, these two like private investigators in Montana. It's pretty good. We're at the end of season two, and I feel like it's kind of starting to to drag on a little bit. Um, catching up on that, we're still working our way through uh, Doctor Death. Nice, nice. I finally saw a preview to that. Um, still haven't watched it, but it's on the list. Uh, the podcast is actually super good. I'd, I'd probably recommend if you're going to watch it to uh, listen to the podcast, Doctor Death, before you um, before you dive into the show because things will make a lot more sense. Oh, dude, you're giving me chores now. I can't watch the I show. I got to listen to a whole other thing. I figure the people listening are already listening to a podcast. So what's one more? It's a pretty short series. Um, That's fair. And then fair. I I like this really terrible cartoon. Um, it's called Big Mouth. Um, if you have kids or uh, are not okay with uh, ob- obscene things, then I do I strongly do not recommend it. Um, They're listening it, to us; they'll be fine. Yeah, right. The uh, the creator of it is Nick Kroll, who is a okay. is one of the plays one of the characters in uh, the league. Um, mm-hmm. But he just came out with a new show called um, Human Resources, and it's about all of the the uh, obscene monsters that play in Big Mouth. So um, I just started watching that, and every time I turn it on, my wife looks at me like I don't deserve to be a human because I'm actually watching it. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that's it. We you have piqued my interest. Yeah, we bought a uh, we bought a travel trailer last weekend so or last Ooh. week we picked it up on friday so my my buddy and i drove over to eastern oregon went coyote hunting this weekend um that was that was quite an adventure so we haven't been watching a whole lot of tv and we've been trying to get ready for babies so um yeah yeah <laughs> so most of most of our life lot to do there yeah we yeah. we got some new ducks I got five new Muscovy ducks, and Muscovies are awesome because they're wood ducks. So they like fucking kill squirrels and rats and mice, and they eat bugs. They're just badass. That's pretty cool. I need to come down and see Paul's petting zoo. You do, dude. Like the the newest one, we named him Jean Luc Canard, Um, (laughs) and then he has two girls, Troy and Crusher. But he's like fucking eighteen pounds. He is the most massive duck I've ever seen. He's almost as big as my it's cat. Like a small dog. He's bigger than my cat's. My cat's twenty-eight pounds. What? 
What was the nest name? Kusa Magoopa Magoop? <laughs> His name is Herbert. Herbert? Okay, that that's close. And we're pretty sure he's gay. Twenty-eight pounds? That's just yeah. my Bella is seven pounds. Yeah, if you if you guys are still listening to this an hour and thirty minutes in, um, <laughs> go check out his Instagram and, and like his page. It's Herbert the Fat Cat. What um, the fuck? Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's very photogenic. He's just kind of a big blob. He's a um, we think he's ragdoll and domestic long hair um, because if you look up a picture of a, a ragdoll cat, they're just bred to be kind of obese blobs, and he's an obese blob, and he looks exactly like the pictures on on the Google. So Herbert the fat cat. Yep. Oh, there he is. I'm following him. I don't even use Instagram, dude. So, like, the yeah. fact that I did this. Oh, he is a giant <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Yeah. We have to get him. And he is everything. photogenic. Yeah. yeah. Check check this page out. There's videos. Yeah. There's a picture of him in glasses. Yeah. And a mustache. <laughs> Where was the? It, how? You need to monetize this. Yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. He's, he's pretty... oh, and now I, I also know that Herbert the fat cat has more followers than I do, so now I feel sad. <laughs> yeah, well, he's cute, Paul. You got bad teeth, according to your patients on Google. <laughs> oh, it's bad they ended the mask mandates. Now people are going to see my bad teeth. Uh, not in medical facilities, Paul. Yeah, that's true. I still wear my mask everywhere because, you know, fuck you. I'm not going to let the government tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so true. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Well, uh, yeah, this is now like a fucking hour and a half. There's actually a, quite a bit of questions on here. So the next one will probably be shorter, um, but you'll hear a, a third voice on the cast. So look forward to that. And Ryan, I will see you later. Later. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks, put me to your lips, I am sick, I will punch a baby bear in his shit, give me lip, I'ma send you to the yard, get a stick, make a switch, I can end the conversation real quick, I am crack, I ain't lying, kick a lion in his crack, I'm the shit, I will fall off in your crib, take a shit, hit your mama on the booty, kick your dog, fuck your bitch, fat boy dressed up like you sat on and took pictures with your kids, we the best, we will cut a fronty face in your chest, little wench, I'ma mention a fresh, I'm a mitch, Correct. I will walk into a court while it wrecks, screaming, yes, I am guilty, motherfuckers, I am death. Hey, you want to hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked.